0: Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. I'll be quoting Mark chapter 5 from the NIV 2011 version. All right, Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha comb, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Thank you.
1: That's awesome. Who's next? (laughs) My goodness, Seth. That is wonderful. Well, they'll keep us posted as the Nationals develop and as Seth and the team uh, continue along. Wonderful to get the Word of God. The reason why we chose that chapter is because it is power-packed with healing after healing after healing and deliverance. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Middle schoolers, you are released to go head out this door if you're headed to Sunday school right behind the sanctuary this morning. We're going to continue with our series, Destined for Breakthrough. We're going to talk about physical healing specifically today. Uh, When we started this series, we looked at a few different verses from Micah, and I'm going to bring it up. Every single week, we talk about uh, breakthrough because it, it talks about who the Lord truly is in our life. In Micah chapter two, verse twelve, it says, "This is actually a prophecy looking forward to the future deliverance of God's people." It says I, talking about uh, the Lord, "I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like a sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people." In verse 13, it says, the one who breaks open the way, again, we've said this last two weeks, many of your translations say the breaker will go up before them. So we're talking about the Lord here. The Lord is the breaker. The Lord is the one who breaks open the way. It says they will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass before them, the Lord at their right or at their head. So we've talked about this a few uh, different weeks, but I want you to understand that we play an active role in the breakthrough that we are seeking. We're not just sitting idly by waiting for God to move. He says that he's the breaker. He's the one that is breaking open the door. And in the very next verse, it says that you, talking about us, the church, Israel then, prophesying to the church, that we will be the ones that actually break through the open gate. So if this makes sense to you, we don't necessarily have the ability, even though he gives us authority in his name, but we don't have the ability in our own natural strength to break open through an obstacle in our life, specifically illness, sickness, and disease that we're talking about today. So what we're doing is we're trusting in him being the breaker, the, one, the only one that can bust open that door. But it doesn't say that when he breaks it open, everything's going to rush to us. It says that we will break through the door. So there's an activity that God wants us to have, a partnership he wants us to have with him to see breakthrough. Now, if you agree with that, can you say amen? Amen, amen means so be it. I said last week too, sometimes we're like, that's, that's my obstacle and I'm expecting God to break open that door and we're looking at it and we're looking at it and we become so narrow-minded that we don't see he opened that door over there. So what we want to do, we want to discern. We want to seek the Lord's will in a matter and know as he's breaking open a certain door, we're going to break through what he's doing. We're not going to try to force a door open that's not open already. Does that make sense? You guys with me? So we're, we're waiting for the Lord to break something open. We're breaking through it. One of the top answers from the survey that we took, I think that was now four weeks ago, was physical healing. I think we had over 250 results back from a Sunday morning. And one of those top answers was physical healing every single Thursday? Our pastoral team meets in that prayer room every every weekday. We do, but on Thursdays we take that time to specifically pray for the needs of the body. So every week on your connection card, there's prayer requests. We have e prayer where people send it in electronically, and we pray. And there's probably 20 to 30 weekly requests. Requests almost always dealing with physical need. Now, if we look over the past 100 years. The Christian faith in, as a whole have come into this revelation that Jesus wants to, uh, to forgive all of our sins right now. But a lot of the church is still stuck that God doesn't necessarily want to heal all of our diseases. And I wanna try to break that myth off Now, central assembly of God. You guys are our church is filled with people from different backgrounds, whether it's Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian. We come from a lot of different backgrounds, and we embrace those backgrounds. But we're not trying to have a certain theology on healing. We're trying to look at what God's word says about healing, because sometimes we get stuck in, "Well, I came up in this church, or I was, I had this background, or this is what I used to believe." We just we need to take a fresh look at what God's word says. And also what it doesn't say, because sometimes we're saying things that we think are biblical, but if they're not found in his word and we don't have precedent for it in his word, then we shouldn't be believing it. So I know there's also several families here for Jason and Marianne. You guys come from different backgrounds uh, as well, and I just encourage you to listen to what God's word is saying today. We're going to go through a, a lot of different scripture, and I want you to write these down. There's those notepads in front of you, and you can take them home and look at them throughout this week. You know just in the past few months alone, right here at Central, we've had testimonies being given about knees being healed, about legs being healed, about digestive issue. I think Joanne just shared a few weeks ago about that. Uh, we had uh, Steve Roberts, I think somebody else talked about backs being healed, uh, Shoulder and arms have been healed. I believe that God is still in the business of healing. I do. In fact, I, I felt like when I was writing these things down last night, uh, I don't know if it has something to do with a baby dedication and the pain that that might bring some, some young ladies in here that want to have babies, but I feel like the Lord wants to uh, heal wounds that have been closed up for whatever reason today. So we are going to take time at the end of a service. We call it an altar call here. We're going to ask you to come down. You don't have to be a Christian to come forward. You don't have to have everything together. You're going to come down here. We have trusted people who will be facing out. You're going to come forward and we're going to pray for healing we believe that God's actually going to heal you. If you don't see it happen just today, we believe that something supernatural is going to start today and that you will see it along the way. But I specifically believe that the Lord, so if that's you, if you're a young lady and you want, you, you want to have children, it's your, the desire of your heart to have children. And for whatever reason, medically speaking, your womb has been closed. I feel like the Lord wants to open that up, okay? So I would say two qualifications for you to come down. Number one, that you're married. And number two, that your husband comes down with you. uh, If he's here, if he's not here, that you know that he wants to have a child too. Amen? Okay, so we're gonna call you forward in a little bit, not specifically, but we're gonna call people forward. If you take one truth from this message, for all the verses that I'm going to share, all the comments that I'm gonna share, I want it to be this. God wants you to be healed. There has been... I think a wishy washy approach in the Christian faith, wondering if it's God's will to heal you. I believe the Word of God is very clear. God wants you to be healed, God wants you to be well, God wants you to be healthy, just as much as God wants all of your sins to be forgiven. Now, when I say comments like that, automatically I can feel it. People are thinking, Well, oh, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And I'm not feeling well. Seth even said, hey, he has a little bit of a cold, okay? So we stand face-to-face with reality that there are many Christians and non-Christians alike that are sick, that have illness, that have disease. But if we look to the truth in God's word, his truth will trump our reality, So even though we're experiencing something in the natural, we can still believe something that has a greater truth in the supernatural. So I do believe God wants us, the church, to be healthy and strong, to fulfill the purposes he has for us, and I believe God wants us to be walking in power that he was walking in that Seth quoted from, so that we can go out and minister to those who don't yet know Jesus Christ, so that that could be a sign and a wonder. That's what the Bible says throughout your New Testament. It's going to be a sign and a wonder. Why? A sign back to you and a wonder like, wow, that person's powerful. Absolutely not. It's a sign. It points people to Jesus. Wow, this God must be real. This God must be powerful because I was sick and now I'm not. So I believe he wants us to walk in health through healing and then walk wisely in health and for, the, for people who are lost to be healed. In Exodus 15, 26, it says this. It says, the Lord speaking... It says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. He says, for I am the Lord who heals you. So this first, this first mention of it, I am the Lord who heals you. In the original language, it is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals heals. Now, when we think of the word healing, we think that it has to come just at this altar. Listen, I believe we we actually have several gifted, anointed by God, doctors, physicians, nurses, and medical practitioners in here that work with people's bodies so that they will recover. If you keep the base of your theology of this, God wants me well. God wants me well. So, I'm going to continue to pursue prayer and pursue Him for healing. I'm going to go to trusted people that are going to help my body recover. We don't say yes to one and no to the other. We say yes to God's plan. We continue to seek Him for wisdom along the way. Now, if this verse says that I am the Lord who heals, that means it's in, it's in His nature. It's, the, it's in the character of God to heal us, it's not in His nature to destroy us. That's the devil. It's in God's nature to restore not just our spirits but our bodies. If it wasn't His nature, it wouldn't be included in the Bible. So sometimes we'll make excuses and say, "Well, listen, I'll be healed in heaven." Absolutely, if you're a Christian, you will be perfect. You have a perfected body in heaven. But God chose to heal and heal and heal and heal body after body after body after body throughout scripture. So obviously it's in his nature and it's in his will for him to perform it even now. Now, I don't have time to get into it today. We talked about it in past months about the different covenants that God uh, was in with his people throughout the Old Testament. So one of the questions I used to ask is, well, yeah, if it's God's will to heal every single time, what about the Old Testament? What about the times uh, where the the individuals, when they were disobedient, the Israelites actually received sickness because of disobedience? I want you to understand, based on the covenant and the agreement that God was in with his people, it was agreed upon when they came into this covenant that they would be cursed with sickness based on their disobedience. So, it's not that God was acting according to his will, saying, Yes, I can't wait to pour all of this out. It was, We're calling these things upon ourselves based on disobedience. Now, the good news is in the New Testament, it says that Jesus became the curse. He took upon himself everything called cursed so that we could be blessed. So, there's nothing else for God to say, Well, based on my agreement with this. No, the the covenant now is between the Father and the Son. That's a perfect covenant we come into that covenant with God through Christ who became a curse for you. So we have to get out of our mind, well, what if he still wants to do this? What if he still wants to pour out sickness on us? No, you have to look at the life of Jesus. Look at a prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah 53. It's in the Old Testament. It's prophesying, which means it's foretelling about the life of Jesus. Starting at verse four, it says, surely he, talking about Christ himself, took up our pain. This is in the New International Version. This word pain means physical illness. It means sickness. It means infirmity as a result of affliction. And it says he bore our suffering. Bore means he took upon himself our suffering. That word suffering there means disease. It's physical pain in the body. In other areas, that word suffering can be translated mental anguish. There's something going wrong with our body. So look what this first first phrase says. He took up our pain, meaning he carried it upon himself. He carried your physical illness, your sickness, your disease. He carried it upon himself. It says that he bore, so he took up upon himself our suffering, which means our disease and our physical pain. I want you to imagine this. It's not that Jesus, like there's a little basket over here. Jesus didn't put all of your sicknesses and all of your diseases in a basket and carry it to the cross. It says that he bore. So if this represented sickness, he actually took it upon himself, So you think of the illness, the sickness, the disease, the wounds, whatever it is that you have, the virus, bacteria, he actually took those things up upon himself when he was going to the cross. In fact, the same exact way he took your sins upon himself. It's amazing how the church can believe that Jesus went to the cross for all of our sins, but only some of our diseases. When in scripture, it's tied together. We're gonna continue on in the verse here. It says, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Now look at verse five, talking about him being pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Those are sins. That's evil that we've done. It's disobedience. Okay, are you following this? It starts out, he took upon himself disease and sickness. The same thread He was, what, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's talking about our sin. And then goes right back into the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, many of your translations would say by his stripes, we are healed. Now, the word wound here is the bodily injury. It's a beating that he took. It's the flogging that he took. It's those pieces of scrap metal or teeth that were tied to a whip that went into his back. Even in in earlier on in Isaiah, it's talking about how he was beaten so bad that you could barely tell he was a human looking at his face. He was unrecognizable. This was not just like for us to look through. This was actually to take effect in our lives. So if you look here, the verses about forgiveness are packaged in just with healing. We separate these things so far in the body of Christ. I think sometimes because we can hide our sin, right? We can hide sin, but you can't hide sickness. You say, well, God forgave all my sins, but I'm still struggling with sin. But when you're saying you're struggling with sickness, you can't, some people have a hard time saying, I believe that God wants me healed, even though I'm not healed. Right, but if there's there's allowed to be tension between sin and forgiveness, then there could be tension between sickness and healing. I can believe that God wants all my sins to be forgiven, and I can believe that He wants all my sicknesses to be healed. In fact, in 1 Peter 2 24, it'll be up here so you don't have to flip to it. It says, He Himself, Jesus, bore, bore that same phrase, our sins. Are you following me? Just like He bore our pain or, or He bore our suffering, He took it upon Himself. He did the same exact thing with your sin. So it says he, bore, he himself bore our sins in his body. I heard it once said that he put his sin, all of our sin in a book bag and put it on his back and went to the cross. And then I started reading this verse. I was like, no, you start studying out the words of this verse. He became your sin. He didn't say he wore it. He didn't fling it over his shoulder. He became it for you. He bore our sin. He bore your sicknesses in the same way. So he's talking about sin here. It says so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then what does it go right into? By his wounds, you have been healed. Because now this is in the tense. This was after Jesus went to the cross. So think about this. We can say very easily, because it's in scripture, that God is not willing that any should perish. We absolutely positively know as a Christian that it is God's will to to forgive every single person of every sin. And yet people die every day and go to hell because they have chosen to not receive that by faith. But on that same cross, the same beatings, the same bloodshed, the same body beaten, we're saying it is God's will to heal every disease and every sickness, and yet people are still sick. We can't say God wants to forgive all of our sins but not heal all of our sicknesses. It happened at the same time. So this took like months for me to realize I'm not trying to convince you in 15 more minutes. I'm going to share with you a few other words and then we're gonna pray and believe that something's going to happen today or start to happen today. Because it says that as the apostles went and they preached the word, God confirmed it with signs and wonders. So for as much as you believe God wants to forgive every single one of your sins, that he took upon himself all of your sins, I want you to believe what his word is saying. He also did that with all of, his, with all of your sicknesses. So what does it mean if you have illness in your body right now? Right? If you're in pain, have you already been healed? Because it says you have been healed. Did you read the verse? I didn't like change the tense on that. I looked at a few different translations. You have by his wounds, you have been healed. So there are people in this room that aren't feeling well, right? There are people in this room that might have a tumor, that might have an illness, a disease, a sickness. What does that mean? I mean, think about this. We're faced with a reality in our lives. Do we believe a greater truth that he has already done everything necessary for your healing? Because it'll actually change how you pray for healing. It won't be, God, will you please do it this time? Will you please do this? Will you please, will you please listen to me this one time and trickle a little bit of healing? You'll say, no, God, I'm just speaking. I'm sick, I'm ill right now, I understand the reality, but I'm speaking your word, and your word says, by your wounds I have been healed. So I believe, Father, you've done everything necessary for my healing, so I'm receiving that by faith. You're activating your faith to receive something, just like you've activated your faith to receive forgiveness. It's not like a new little trick, right? The same way you've received forgiveness by faith, you receive healing by faith, because it happened at the same time. Pastor Francisco has taught on four different ways for sickness. I I add a fifth way, uh, the reasons for sickness. The first is the fallen world, right? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world with sin, and because sin exists, sin also exists. So you may uh, uh, have an illness or sickness just because we're living in a fallen world. Second reason is an attack of the enemy. There might be a demonic assignment upon your life to cause chaos and sickness. Remember the job description of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This isn't a newsflash, folks. He hates you. He wants to ruin your life. Thankfully, we're on the winning side. Amen? Amen. A third reason for sickness could be personal sin and disobedience, right? When When we're walking in disobedience and rebellion against the Lord, it leads to stress, it leads to ulcers, and so on. It can wreak havoc on our body. I'm not saying that if you're sick, you're in personal sin. Don't hear that. I'm saying it is one reason why we can be sick. A fourth reason is simply bad eating habits. Think about the overeating, especially in this country, all of the preservatives, all those different things. I'll talk to physicians and so on often and say, you know, I mean, obviously we could just walk in greater health if we just change the way we eat and exercise a little bit, right? Sometimes we're praying for something and God's like, just stop eating all the sauces and you won't have heartburn. He's talking The fifth can be genetics. Think about diseases that are generational, either from uh, uh, living in the fallen world or because they're, again, there's that assignment. Think about if for generation after generation. If your family has struggled with things, I want you to come forward. Even if you don't have it in your body today, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. We want to just agree with our Heavenly Father to break off whatever has been afflicting your father, your mother, your grandparents, whatever. We're going to believe by faith that today it's broken, done. So think about these reasons. Do any of these reasons disqualify you from being physically healed here and now? Absolutely not. If you're in personal sin, I would say repent. Confess and repent. No matter if you're ill or not or sick or not, repent. Confess your sin and repent and come back to God. None of these other reasons disqualify you because Jesus already paid for your healing. He's not going to do one more thing. He's not gonna be beat one more time. He's not going up on the cross again. He's done everything necessary that we would receive our healing. I feel like a clear way to encourage yourself in this is to look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. So if we look at it in Hebrews 1.3, it says that the son, talking about Jesus, he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. So what, he, what this is saying is Jesus was walking the earth and everything he said and did exactly represented the nature of the father, okay? So if Jesus would have pushed somebody into a chariot when it was coming through so they would get injured, then we could say, well, maybe that's the nature of the Father. If Jesus handed out sickness and illness, then we could say maybe that's the nature of the Father. Fortunately for us, he never did any of those things. He never caused calamity. He never gave somebody an illness. In fact, the Bible says he healed all who came to him. He never let a person come to him sick and leave sick. They always left healthy which means if people are coming up to the altar here sick and leaving sick, we, are the altar team, those who are, are praying for you, we have area and room to grow. We're gonna grow in faith. We're not gonna allow guilt or condemnation to hit us. We're gonna continue to pursue God, to hear his voice, to receive by faith until we see more breakthrough in healing. Luke five twelve. this is the life of Jesus. It says, when, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease. When, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, I wonder what Jesus is going to answer. He says, you can make me clean. In verse 13, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and he said, I am willing, be clean. And guess what happened? Immediately, the leprosy left him. Do you know why Jesus was willing to heal that man with leprosy? Because his father was willing. It was the Father's will for him to be healed. Now, if it was just God's will for this one to be healed, then the 10 of them wouldn't have been healed later on. And neither would anybody else, potentially, in Jesus's ministry. But time and time again, when Jesus comes to somebody who's sick, they are healed. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. See, there was a, a teaching and a preaching, then it was verified by signs and wonders, and it says, "And healing, every disease." The, and listen, I just want to admit this, this is OK if this makes you uncomfortable. There, there, is, there is where we are as a body, not just locally, I mean, the body of Christ, and where Jesus was in his lifestyle, right? So there, there is a gap there, and there is tension that it creates. But it, the word says that he healing every disease and sickness among the people. It says news about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill, ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the, demonic, uh, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Look at this—he's putting all sicknesses and diseases, the seizures the uh, various diseases, suffering with pain, and he also includes the, demonic possess- the the demon-possessed people in this. Again, we try to separate all these things. Jesus is in the healing, delivering, saving business, period. He wants people to be free. He wants people to be free of their sin. He wants people to be free of their sickness. He wants people to be free of their torment. Amen. So every single disease, that whole entire area that was known to man, they brought people with it, and he healed every single disease. One of them. That should not discourage you if you have an illness and you haven't been healed yet. That should encourage you that it absolutely is your Heavenly Father's will for you to be well. It should give you a new fight and a new tenacity to continue to pray and press on in faith until you see breakthrough. Matthew 8 16, it says, When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Again, torment and sickness put in the same category. He paid for it all. But he healed all. Can you say all? all? He healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Do you remember this? We just read this a few minutes ago. So now in Matthew, it's looking back to what was prophesied in Isaiah, moving forward to saying, do you see what Jesus just did here? Healing all the sick. That's what we talked about a long time ago here when it said that he was gonna carry up and take up our infirmities and diseases. I think what this does is this begins to remove the gray space. I believe that we as a church, just like we would say, holiness represents, say God. I'll help you with the first one. Evil and sin represents Satan, the devil, okay? So health and, health and wholeness represent God. Sickness and disease represent Satan. Satan. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have a demon living in you if you're sick. I think that's the thing. We, we try to think, well, if, if, if we believe that the root of all sickness is the devil, well, I don't think that this, you know, this isn't demonic. I just have a, a, I just have a, a cold. I understand that. We have to understand where we live in a sinful, fallen world. So you don't have to be afraid of something crazy going on spiritually. You just have to know it's not from God. That's right. Come on. So now you look to him for your solution. So this is, this, is, this is prevalent in the church, that God will give you sickness sometimes to teach you a lesson. We have all heard it, right? Because what we do is we take what God's doing in our sickness and we celebrate what God's doing, but then we say God caused it. So we would say this. Um, this didn't happen to me, but I'm saying, like, let's say I was, I was sick, I was bedridden, and for three weeks I could not get out of bed. So during that time, I read my Bible more and prayed more. So I grew closer to God. But then I got worse physically, so then I went to the hospital. But when I was in the hospital, I witnessed to the nurse. What we've concluded at times is that, oh, God must have given me this sickness to put me on my back so I grew closer to him so I would go to the hospital to witness. God was doing this to teach me a lesson. Find that in your Bible. Find when Jesus gave somebody a sickness to teach them a lesson. What God did, what god if this was true, what God would have done in my life is he took advantage of the time when he was recovering my body and he said, hey, you're going to spend more time with me? I will pour into you. Hey, you're going to be at the doctors, at the hospital? I'll use you to minister. Come on. But how much better would it be if we had 500 healthy people from Central going after God every day in our private time, growing closer, and just go to the hospital, healthy, and start to meet with nurses and doctors and witness to them? How would that work? So think about it. Who's a better heavenly father, or who's a better father, a heavenly father or an earthly Father. Heavenly Father, okay. So if we can think of, if we wouldn't do this, if we wouldn't act in these evil ways, our Heavenly Father most likely would not act. So can you picture a parent? I've shared these in years past. Could you picture a parent pushing a child down the steps to teach them a lesson? You better hold onto that railing next time. No, we would go to jail for that. But we say, "Oh, God did that to teach us a lesson." Right? Would we? Would a parent, a good loving parent, put a child's hand? on a stove and burn it so that they can appreciate the parent more whenever they bandage their wounds? No, absolutely not. So God God allowed this disease, God gave me this disease so that I could appreciate his compassion more. Absolutely not. Never once do I see Jesus giving somebody an affliction. I see him healing and healing and healing and healing and healing. In fact, if God would give you an illness or a disease, he'd be working against what Christ already did by taking up your sicknesses. So think about that. The next time you say, well, maybe God allowed this in my life so I could grow in it. Maybe God allowed this. So it was a wake-up call, a wake-up call. No, he can discipline you through his word. He can rebuke you through the Holy Spirit and his word. He's not giving you sickness. When you're saying that, if, you're, if you find yourself saying that, just think that I'm saying that God's working against Jesus. That's a divided house and it's not, it's not biblical. It has no biblical foundation. So how do we explain when people in the church are sick, right? This could cause guilt or condemnation, or we could bind together as a church family and say, let's pursue healing together. Listen, I don't ever want to hear anyone in this church family condemning, criticizing, or judging someone for not having enough faith if they're not being healed. What Jesus did when somebody didn't have uh, enough faith to get healed, guess what he did? He had the faith to get healed for that person to get healed. Peter and Acts walking over and the guy's asking for money. He's been crippled his whole life asking for money. He doesn't have faith to be healed. Peter says, I don't have the silver. I don't have the gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus from Nazareth, rise up. And what did he do? He reached for his hand, activated the faith between them and pulled him up. And the guy was healed. So we're not gonna judge. We're not gonna criticize. Let's us have the faith for people who are sick who don't have the faith to receive it yet. It's not, it's not gonna help us to, to, to focus on our illness and focus on why it hasn't happened. Some of you may have been praying. Maybe you've had a disease for 30, 40 years. It is not gonna help you get healed of wondering, wow, well, if this is true, then why hasn't he healed me all these other years? Because it says you already have been healed. So again, God's already, God has already paid for it through Jesus Christ. So what you just ask the Lord, grow me in faith. Bind me together with other believers. Let me see in your word. Jesus and the apostles, healing after healing after healing so that I'm more encouraged to receive my healing than ever before. Do you see how one approach is going to work and the other one will just discourage you? Why, why, why? I don't know why there are good, holy, uh, righteous Christians who suffer with disease. I don't have the answer for that. That's where the tension really builds, right? There are good, loving people who were sick, who have passed away from illness. Right? So we could be real about that, not preach like a hyper faith that we're just like, everybody's gonna be healed. We know in the word, everybody was healed. Jesus healed everybody, okay? But there's still the reality that some people suffer from that. Did the devil win? Absolutely not, because they are with the Lord today. Are you following me? So what we do is we come alongside people and we contend with them. I don't know why some people, I don't know why why in this room right now there are people with illnesses that aren't experiencing that. But there's nothing wrong with you. Unless the Lord reveals sin that you need to confess and repent of, just realize you have a good father who wants to heal you. Let's take one more step toward that healing today. One more step toward that healing today. Before we call, uh, I'm gonna call you up to the altar here in just a moment. (coughs) But I want, you to, I want to just dispel one more myth that is prevalent in the church. And it's this, it's the sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God, don't hear me wrong. God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever, wherever he wants to do it, okay? But a lot of times for healing, we'll say this, well, if he already paid for it, then I'm just gonna let God sovereignly heal me. I'm not gonna pray and press in, I'm not gonna have somebody else pray. If God, this will be the phrase, if God wants to heal me, he will, like it'll just be some sovereign divine and your disease will be gone. You can prove me wrong. This is your homework. I want you to think of one time in the New Testament where God just sovereignly heals somebody. I want you to think of one time where he doesn't use somebody else of faith or where he doesn't uh, set forth a prophetic word for somebody to speak over someone's life or where that person who is ill doesn't come after God or come after Jesus. Are you all thinking right now? You can go home and think more. I don't want to like mess up the altar. to call here. I, I, was it, I asked my wife. My kids know the word. I asked them. We, we had a conversation of it. I think it was on Friday night. We cannot think of one time where God sprinkled his healing dust. You know, where God just like whack and just healed somebody. Is it his will? Absolutely. But what activates the hand of God? Faith. Does God want to forgive the worst sinner on the face of this earth right now? Yes, Will he if that person doesn't have faith in him? No. I'm telling I can't find one instant where God just sovereignly healed. Every time that I could think about it, in the New Testament, it was a believing believer in faith, commanding sickness, stretch out your hands, stand up and walk. Young kid falls out. Of a, of a window when Paul's preaching. He must have been a long-winded preacher. Falls asleep, falls out, dies. Paul goes down, does a prophetic act on him, comes back up, and he's, he's back to life. God could have sovereignly done all of those things, but he used the faith of people to activate his healing power. And he did it like this. In Matthew chapter 10, you can start to play out. You can actually just stand up at this time. In Matthew chapter 10, He's talking to his apostles or his disciples at the time and he's he's sharing with them. he's gonna send them out. And he says, as you go, proclaim this message. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. So the people that are gonna be standing up here are no different than you. They're just partners in the faith with you to come alongside of you to pray for your healing. Freely, we have received authority and power in the name of Jesus. We're going to freely give. It's wild when you think about this verse. Jesus says here, heal the sick. He doesn't say, pray up to me that I might consider it, that I might, you know, wonder if it's my will, that I might throw down one more blessing. He says, heal the sick. That's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. We don't have the power. We've been given authority to use the name of Jesus against your illness or sickness to believe for healing. So he sent them out to do this. And in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 16, it says, these signs will accompany those who believe. It start, he starts to talk out, in my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues. He goes on to talk about several other things. But at the end of that phrase, it says, they will place their hands on the sick and they will get well they will recover. We have testimonies in here when we would lay our hands on, it is, if it's your knee or your back, we might ask like if it's in an appropriate place that we just lay our hand on that part. If it's not appropriate place, maybe they'll have you like lay your, your hand on it and then maybe they'll just touch right here, okay? They'll ask before they do that. We've had instances where people will say, I feel heat in my body. Like you're actually feeling God's healing power working in their body right then. And we've had people that don't feel anything and get healed right then. And we've had people that don't feel anything and don't experience anything. But a day later, two days later, a week later, two weeks later, they're recovering. Isn't that amazing how God created our body? We're partnering with how God already created our body to see bodies recover. So that's what we're going to do. I'm gonna actually ask the altar team, pastors, spouses, elders, whoever's on an altar team, you can just come forward this time. It's very simple. If you have an illness, a sickness, an injury in your body, and you're at a level right now where you say, you know what, I actually believe God wants to heal me. I just want you to come forward. We're not gonna sing any songs. Uh, We're just gonna play softly, and I'm just gonna have have you come forward even right now if you want prayer for healing. We believe it's his will for us to be well, and because of that, we're going to pray for that. If you don't come forward, that's perfectly fine. If you're a believer in this room, I want you to pray that God would move in healing power over these next few minutes. So you just hang in with us, pray, believe with us. We're going to see God do some great things.
0: Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.